I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Happy New Year. We made it to 2021. I made I made it to 33, guys. I had my birthday and I'm still alive. <clears throat> hey Jared, did you hear Whoa. did you hear the little thing that I the 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 end piece of our of our uh, of the episode we put out this this uh, past Monday? I made a little uh I made a little oh, I, I had a little birthday shout I, out to you. I don't oh, know if you listened shit. to that. I didn't. I didn't but, listen uh, to it. I mean, that's okay. I don't re- I don't re-listen to our episodes after they get released because like, you know, I was there. Um oh, so I re-listen to uh, them. So so I oftentimes like don't hear those messages that well if you know, if if I'm not a part of like the outro, if you guys record it or something, then I I often don't hear it, but you should go back and take a listen. I meant to mention that to you last night. Oh, okay. Um Little, I have a, a feeling. Nice, I have a feeling. Uh, nice I have a feeling you talk shit, but uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll uh, to... I I don't. I actually don't. I swear. I swear. <laughs> All the listeners right now opposite. are going. Please, Jared, go listen to it because he totally wasn't talking uh, shit about uh, you. I'll go listen to it later tonight. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen. Here's some exciting news, though. This is probably uh, some of the best news I've ever received on my birthday. Uh, it came out the day after my birthday. This is huge, guys. And actually, this is kind of in line with. Um, uh, what we're going to be uh, kind of diving into later later in the conversation. Uh, for folks who have been tuning in for uh, most of the COVID times, you might remember one of our Feel Good Friday episodes. I believe it actually came out on September 11th. Uh, it was right before kids were going back to school, and we spoke to Dr. Jody Carrington. And uh, holy sweet mother of Lord, that woman is... A, she nice. She is such a joy to talk to. So She's we, the best, yeah. We had the friggin' pleasure of having Dr. Jody Carrington on again. If you forgot, she's a child psychologist and all around uh, kind of change your life for the better motivational speaker type person. Uh, and uh, I, f- I found that this news article was kind of in line with some child psychology. All right. So bear with me. Yeah. I just want to say before you dive into this news article, mm-hmm. um, I want to, I'm making it a new year's resolution to preemptively make sure that we don't lose guests, uh, listeners in the first like 20 minutes of these feel good Friday shows. So I want to really put an emphasis on how great the upcoming conversation in this episode with Dr. Jody Carrington <laughs> is because whatever happens over the next 15 minutes yeah. here, whatever we talk about, whatever we say, Please just give us a chance because when you get to the conversation with Dr. Jody Carrington, I promise you it's delightful. I love Brian. I love how I love how us having fun to you over the last year has has be, has has turned into this thing where you are just full of shame. 
and, and just <laughs> super embarrassed to be a part of this project that that yeah. the CBC has has decided to be worthy of yeah. their while the three talent. of us thrive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so so here we go. Uh, this came out the day after my birthday. This is from the National Post. Uh, Caillou is canceled, and parents are rejoicing. "Quote that bald-headed little terror can no longer brainwash kids." I never knew that Caillou was such an asshole until I read some of the shit that people were saying oh, about, dude. or that parents were saying. Well, as a ch- as a former kid show television host, um, uh, we yeah, all you're speaking and- from a unique place, yeah, right here. Are you implying that you have like a similar career as Caillou? Oh, yes, I do because I. So look, it, it was it, I was I was competing with that little fuckhead. And uh, and it wasn't just me, but there was you know there was there was some other uh, other live action children's. Uh, did you did tel- you have a coalition? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Did you have a union? Yo, me and me and Mama Yama, uh, uh, you know CBC coalition sweetheart. for kids TV show yeah. hosts against Caillou. Me and like, Mama Yama. Me and Mama Yama would get together and and uh, and we would uh, we would freestyle rap. Uh, 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 diss raps about Caillou together. <laughs> did you ever beef with? Uh, yeah, dude. Did you ever Fuck beef with Steve from Blues Clues? I feel uh, like he would have been your direct competition. No, dude. He just he just snorted blow and then would just fuck everybody up. <laughs> he was just hey, that hey, did man. happen. Don't, don't talk shit. Steve from Caillou. He's uh, he had to he had to go he had to go away because his brother had to replace him. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, after more than two decades, that's a long fucking time on the air. PBS Kids has canceled Caillou. And many parents could not be happier. <clears throat> PBS Kids made the announcement on Twitter alongside advice on how to help children cope with the devastating news. But many parents rejoiced <laughs> that Caillou would no longer be teaching their kids bad manners. Caillou getting canceled is the start to 2021 I needed, wrote Twitter user. That bald-headed little terror can no longer brainwash kids into being worse. Hashtag good riddance. So uh, there, there were people that, that <laughs> took to Twitter and, uh, and they were, it was like, you know what? One tweet here is Caillou is one evil ass motherfucker, and uh, here's the video. Here's the video Whoa. that goes along that goes along with that tweet. If you didn't know Caillou was a piece of shit, you're about to see it right here. <laughs> oh. Oh my God. So, uh, so for the listeners, uh, it, it, Caillou, you know, the little bald-headed weirdo, uh, sneaks up from behind his new little baby infant baby brother or sister, um, and the baby's just there, like, and like super cute, and like you know, in, involuntarily moving its limbs around, like like little little infants do. And then Caillou gives it a little kiss, and it's super cute. And then he fucking grabs its face and starts reefing on the on the baby's face. Just t- tearing yeah, the skin off. You can tell he was really yeah. trying to rip it off. He was trying to rip that baby's skin off. Mm-hmm. But but wow. did you see the eyebrows? Like, do you know those like cartoon horrible. eyebrows? Like when they get like like slanted yeah. and really point down in, they look aggressive. They he had yeah. those eyebrows. Like I can't yeah. believe that yeah. Caillou's a baby terrorist. Drew him like that. So not only not only is he uh, not only is he a uh, a ba- an infant abuser. Uh, he's also just really <laughs> whiny. So if you ever watch the show, he's just constantly like, I don't wanna... it's like that grating noise of like, yeah. it's that hmm. for a full 22 I never minutes. knew that. Yeah. yeah I, awesome. I, that watched, I watched Caillou like, you know, intermittently. It was never my, my favorite show. I was more of an Arthur, <laughs> an Arthur fan, but um, 
but I never knew that he was such a little little whiny bitch. Yeah, yeah. He, I have yeah a it's funny though. because if if I would have thought of like what is what is Caillou's voice like, I would have I would have done like a ah, well I want to. Yeah, and then yeah, that's, that, like that. Brian, that's like what that I would have thought of before that article came out. That is a perfect impression. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was working on my you really fucking nailed that. Uh, Lauren, what was yeah. your what was your question? Isn't it common though for older siblings when they when like they have a new younger sibling to like try and kill them or something? I th- I feel like I've heard that from everyone yeah. that has siblings. I am an it's only exactly child. Exactly what an only child would last say. night on our Patreon hang, but I mean, that's right. I, I think I've heard that. You you <laughs> is may, it normal? You may not be wrong, Lauren, <laughs> but I think where the problem comes in is that children are watching the show and then they're seeing they're seeing Caillou who like they may or may not like uh, probably they like because it's a, it's just like bright colors and they're a little kid and it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and they go oh cool I can beat the fuck out of my infant brother sweet okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe okay. that'll well, stop well, hold well yes, hold on exactly. hold on <clears throat> in the in the in the in the interest of in the interest of fairness and neutrality what what <laughs> happens next what happens later is the is the message of the show like does later on in the show do the parents come over and go hey Caillou this is your new baby sibling and you need to and 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 you need to show it no. how to how to grow well and be nice and all this and is it like a <clears throat> is it a message because of that Lauren because that is a tendency of kids is the overall message like hey you don't need to feel like that towards your baby sibling because you love them and they're and you're their big you're, no their big no sibling the, and- here's here's the thing with the show which was crazy is that the parents uh, so I I didn't play the full clip there I had to stop it but after mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. after Caillou's doing that the, the the parent comes in and goes and just goes like this you're not gonna be able to see this listeners but just goes like this Caillou mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, raises shows in the backhand and just just raises, raises a backhand with big eyes and wow. goes, Caillou wow. And then in the next scene, and then in the next scene, does Caillou raise his hand to the baby because he's learning that from his parents? And it's this awful cycle. <laughs> anyway, so I think, uh, I mean, we, we should have talked to Jody Carrington about this, but uh, I, I think it's safe to say what Jody would say because um, I, I we've spoken to her twice now, so I think I know her enough. Uh, Jody would say that we are now twenty twenty one is the year where we are uh, we will be seeing many many. Many less serial killers uh, before. Many less. Many less serial Many killers. less. Many less. <laughs> uh, so, so good riddance to Caillou. Uh, no one liked you anyway, and this is a great way to start off 2020. Uh, mm. 2021 Feel Good Friday. I'm feeling good well, about I wish, more Caillou. Guys, I really wish you would have told me about this earlier because I had, I've already set my goals for 2021, but had I known this was going to happen, I would have probably made um, distributing bootleg copies of old Caillou episodes as one of my primary goals for 2021. I feel like there's a, there's a new market that has been created. Um, Guys, I, I I just wanted to, I just wanted to to put this in here because um, uh, uh, Dennis, Brian's brother sent me this uh, earlier um, just before we started recording. I thought this was very funny. So we've been having an, an ongoing, um, an ongoing sort of conversation around uh, doctors versus uh, like medical doctors versus uh, smart uh, doctors. PhD smart person doctors. We call them. We we say we say we say are you a doctor doctor or a smart person doctor and that sort of thing. And we've been having a conversation about that. And so uh, Dennis sent me this. I'll just send this through on uh, on Slack to you guys. So you can all see it, and then I'll I'll uh, 
I have a little description of it. So it's a meme. And I know that memes are, are much better looked at than uh, than being told what they say. I can't believe we're doing But it's basically, right it's like all these people out running. It's like a group of, of people out running. And one person is clearly injured on the ground. And his friends are huddled around him like going, oh, my God, are you okay? And it's, the meme says, do you have a do- Is there a doctor here? And the person goes, yes, I am. What's your specialty? I'm a doctor in mathematics. My friend is dying. Minus one. <laughs> That's what the math says. That is funny. funny. It's funny because I can look at it and see it. Yeah, that's that's really funny funny for me. For for everyone who's listening to the audio podcast, playing on their computer or radio or into their earphones, they didn't laugh quite as hard. But uh, yeah, imagine how unfunny this is for the transcripts. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Imagine how unfunny this is for the person who, uh, for the deaf person who reads our podcast. <laughs> um, uh, hey, here's something that's not so funny, but kind of interesting and definitely way more in line with uh, Sick Boy Podcast. I got a question for you guys. It's a would you rather, okay? We'll start with you, Brian. Perfect. How, do, do you guys know what uh, perosmia is? The condition of perosmia or perosmia? Okay, it's, uh, it's a symptom. What I can gather is that it's a symptom of constantly smelling a certain scent everywhere you go, smelling Ooh. everything. Ooh. So, uh, uh, here's your, here's your, would you rather, would you rather be haunted by the unbearable smell of either fish forever, sulfur oh, no. or Ooh. burnt toast? Oh, okay. Burnt which toast. one would you prefer or which one would be the war- most, which one, undesirable? which one would you choose if you had to choose burnt, burnt toast? toast hands easy. down. Yeah. And Lauren, same and then, with you. I mean, burnt toast doesn't make people want to throw up. Yeah, yeah plus you'd feel like feel you're like straight sulfur. out of sulfur. You'd oh, like wow. sulfur. Yeah, because I know gnarly. I'm going to hell, so I want to prepare my nose for it. And like, Lauren, are you are you uh-huh. gassy? That's actually no. that's actually <laughs> a really good point, Lauren. Because you are you, you will yeah you are going to burn you are going to burn in hell in the afterlife yeah. for eternity, hundred percent. And it will mm-hmm. smell so like farts down there. See, okay, now now now. Now, now, okay, I wonder in this scenario, because your senses are, they don't, what they're really good at is detecting change. So when you smell something over a period of time, you stop smelling it. So if this condition, um, if this condition is, uh, if somebody has this condition, do they always smell it or I guess since it's not actually there, mm-hmm. are they always smelling? It's just like it? the, well, I'd be curious to know that. Would you like, I think is that's their the brain premise. Just like, is like you're haunted yeah. by it, so it always like yeah. bothers you. Uh, perosmia yeah. is the medical term for experiencing distortions of the sense of smell. Someone with perosmia may be able to detect odors, but the smell of certain things, or sometimes everything, is different and often unpleasant. Now, the reason I asked you guys what you'd rather have We've gotten a number. We've had a few people that have applied, um, and we haven't we haven't booked these guests yet. But Lauren, let's uh, let's make a note of this. Let's do that in the next okay. in the coming weeks. We've had a number yeah. of people apply who have been uh, diagnosed with long haul COVID or long term COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is coming out of independent.co.uk uh, by Laura Parnaby. Per- uh, per- there we go. Uh, yes. Uh, the the wait, title. Wait, of this where article, is it coming out of? Uh, the Independent. Title of this article from, from what country? 
the UK. I'm the independent.uk.co.uk. You clearly have to do it in the accent here. Independent.uk.co.uk. You got to read the whole article like that. Uh, Long COVID (laughs) patients haunted by unbearable smells of fish, sulfur, and burnt toast. Long long COVID patients are being haunted by, quote, unbearable odors like fish and burning in place of normal smells, researchers, Mm. researchers say as more unusual symptoms of the virus emerge. So here's what, here's what's so crazy. Is huh. that we There's still so many fucking wild things that we're finding out about COVID, uh, you mm-hmm. know, like things that it's affecting the heart, that it's affecting the brain. It's not just a respiratory illness. It's like super wild stuff. But uh, ear, nose, and throat surgeon Professor uh, Nirmal Kumar said this, quote, very strange and very unique, unquote, long-term symptom known as parosmia, seems to be affecting young people and healthcare workers in particular. The surgeon, who is also the president of ENT UK, was among the first medics to identify anosmia, loss of smell, as a coronavirus indicator in March. So we all know that a lot of people who get COVID will lose their sense of smell, lose their sense of taste. Well, this guy, uh, Dr. Kumar, was one of the first people who figured this out. Mm. Um, uh, so he's also added to the list uh, parosmia. After treating and studying patients with long-term anosmia, which is the loss of smell, something he said has affected thousands of people across the UK, Professor Kumar, noticed that some were recovering only to experience parosmia. So they get their fucking sense back, but they get it back with like nasty ass, nasty nast. Professor Kumar told the PA news agency, this morning I saw two patients with parosmia. Quote, one said they could smell fish in place of any other scent. And the other said smell burning when there's no smoke around. Quote, both are healthcare workers, and we think there is increased incidence in young people and also in healthcare workers because of exposure to the virus in hospitals. For some people, it's really upsetting. Like continued, like, like continued exposure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, we are calling it neurotropic we are calling it neurotropic virus, he added. Quote, what this means is the virus is affecting the nerves in the roof of the nose. It's like a shock to your nervous system and the nerves aren't functioning. Daniel Seveski, a 24-year-old banker living in London, said he lost all sense of taste and smell for two weeks after contaminating the coronavirus in March and has been suffering with parosmia since. Mr. Seveski from West Yorkshire said strong smelling things like bins, which I'm guessing is, which I'm guessing is like garbage. It's uh, the trash, yeah. Small, uh, strong smelling things like bins have now now have a burning sulfur like odor or smell like toast. Yorkshire. He added. Imagine <laughs> just smelling fat bergs, though. Oh, why? Our favorite why UK, our favorite UK smell. This is such a imagine. Sad- Imagine that, like, it instead of nasty smells, you just smelled like lilacs or fresh linen. That would be my favorite. That would be, but that would get that would become nasty. It would become fucking annoying. Mm. Yeah, this is actually really. This is a really sad quote. He added, "This is from Mr. Sebesky. It's lessened my enjoyment of food, and it's a bit depressing not being able to smell certain foods." (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. Uh, We got somebody else here. Lynn Corbett, an administrator for an estate agent said she was shocked to wake up on her 52nd birthday in March with absolutely no smell or taste. Miss Corbett from Cecily in Sussex said, From March right through to around the end of May, I couldn't taste a thing. 
I honestly think I could have bitten into a raw onion. Such was my loss of taste. She said her sense of smell began to return in June, but nothing smelled like it should. Oh. Quote, most things smell disgusting. This sickly, sweet smell is hard to describe, and I've never come across Ugh. it before, she said. She added that despite being a, quote, coffee addict before March, the drink now smells unbearable, as do beer oh. and petrol. Ms. Oh, Corbett said, oh, quote, I, mean, it's I, good I on love the smell of gas. gas. Fuck. Uh, coffee so bad not be able s- s- to smell gas Don't. anymore. Um, oh, God. Coffee, too. You know what? I think, I mean, of, I think good, of gas smells great. It, if if I was gonna get COVID, if I was gonna get COVID, um, I would absolutely want to get COVID before we went on a trip somewhere. Because when we go and travel together, and I have to wake up to the thick, oh, dude, to Taylor's the hot, thick like, smell of. It's a weird. Taylor guys, it's weird. It's weird. It's like this weird. Guys. It's this weird. Like, um, do you ever see the it's movie a Cloud? Do you ever see the movie The it's Mist? An atmosphere. Oh, you ever yeah, see the, movie the Mist, and they're all trapped yes. in that. Guys. They're all trapped guys. inside the. Come on. The, the grocery store and outside the grocery <laughs> store is this like dense haunting <laughs> um deadly fog mm. that's what it's that's what it the, the, that's the quality of the air in a hotel room when we wake up and there's like a it's like an oily kind of it's, yeah. there's something oily yeah. in the air about it. Yeah, let's 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 go how many adjectives can we do back and forth to describe taylor's uh thick Aura that yeah. comes off. Yeah. Of them in the That's morning. just because while I sleep, I I I have some of the highest quality sleep. I have Jeez. I have the best sleep. I have no one sleeps better than me. And sleeps and and so and so when I sleep, I get rid I get rid of so much nasty shit that I don't need. And yeah, that do. and and you all you all unfortunately hold on to it. So you wake Sponges. up in the morning having 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 horrible horrible sleeps. I wake up so fresh and ready to take on the day and really perform at like the highest level because I've gotten rid of all that now. The unfortunate byproduct is, is there's a cloud of nasty in the air, gross. but you know I perform I, yeah. at, at a high high level because of that. I sleep. feel so sorry for, for Kyla. Miss um, uh, Corbett goes on to say, "quote I'm okay with it. I just think myself lucky that if I did have coronavirus, which it looks like I did." Then I haven't been seriously <laughs> ill, hospitalized, or died from it like so many others. Oh. Uh, charity Absent, which supports people with smell disorders. This is this, this is very interesting. I have a smell disorder. So like you guys know this, that I my sense of smell is very poor. I don't know if that's a yes. CF thing or if it's because I've had nasal polyps and have them had them removed several times over my life, but Dude, I, if I'm gassy around you, I just don't say anything. I have no you idea. Never I have no know. idea. You've but that, never. But know. here's the crazy yet, thing. Yet if I say it, <laughs> but you hate you're, you. You are. You are. You are. A, you become a different person. Yes. And here's the crazy thing: if it becomes, oh, if it becomes, <laughs> if I become aware to it, then I can pick it up. It's a very no. it's, yeah I can. <laughs> you know, Jerry, you're honestly no. the most <laughs> you know, annoying person to be around when you when you think you're going to smell something. You're the most annoying person to be around when you when somebody <laughs> yeah, starts, dude. You pull your like jacket or shirt up over your nose yeah. and you're like and you want to put the windows down even if it's like minus twenty out and we're driving a car. You're like oh, yeah. oh all the windows are and, and he can't even it. smell it and he can't even smell yeah, it and well, he can't he can't even if you say no, if you but say I can, it and we're driving a car. Once you tell me once you tell me and here's the thing if I had perosmia I would. Would, I would, that would be. I horrible. would bash my own nose in with a with a fucking mallet. I would just be like, can't take it. Get my, oh, get man. this, get this, get this scent polar inner out of me. 
Anyway, I should talk to Charity <laughs> Absent because Polar Charity inner. Absent, which supports people with smell disorders, thing? is oh, gathering <laughs> information from thousands of anosmia and parosmia patients in partnership with ENT UK and the British Rhino, uh, Rhinological Society uh, to aid the development of therapy. So this is really interesting. And maybe I should do this if I want to get my smelling back. This is the last sentence of the, uh, of the uh, article here. Absent recommends smell training, which involves sniffing rose, lemon, clove, and eucalyptus oils every day for around 20 seconds for those trying to regain their sense of smell. So there you go, folks. If you've if That's you nice. had COVID and your sense of smell is still fucky, go out, get some uh go on go on over to Sage and get some of that get some of that eucalyptus oil Sage. and sniff that shit up. The eucalyptus well, is you fantastic. You can bottle some of Taylor's aura as well to add another Yeah. I even the thought sick to my even the thought of it. It's weird too, because like when he wakes up, when he wakes up, the air is like that. You for some reason, you are more like your hair is wet, like like your <laughs> like your hair is damp, and then you yeah. look at Taylor yeah. and like it's like he took it's like he took um like massage <laughs> massage oil and just like oh slicked, god that slicked his <laughs> chest hair down. Yeah. It's fucking weird, yeah. dude. It's weird. Yeah, it is. It oh, is. that's so foul. Yeah, it's gross. I know exactly um, what you mean, though. Uh, and then uh, there was there was one other thing that I wanted <laughs> to, to tell you guys about, which I thought was really, really fascinating and impressive. And uh, maybe one of you guys can do math because I'm not good at it. But this is pretty crazy. Uh, so as we all know, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, I believe the Moderna vaccine, the, these vaccines that we're getting that are being distributed right now as we speak, um, uh, a, a few of them are required to be refrigerated. Some at like really crazy temperatures. Um, in California, a, a Northern California hospital, uh, distributed 850 vaccines in two and a half hours when the refrigerator failed. A Northern California hospital has shown it's possible to get the COVID-19 vaccine into the arms of people fast. This is coming from SF gate, San Francisco gate, uh, from Amy Graff, uh, Adventist health Ukiah Valley Medical Center learned Monday morning that the refrigerator holding Mendocino County's most recent distribution of 850 Moderna vaccines had failed. That's a bummer. Racing to beat the clock before the vaccine spoiled, they successfully administered the entire supply in two and a half hours in collaboration with the county's health department and skilled nursing facilities. So how many, how many people are getting vaccinated a minute at that rate? One eight hundred and fifty over the well, span of in two, two hours? and a half hours. About so one hundred and twenty, hundred and twenty plus thirty is one hundred and fifty minutes. So or, yeah. how many was it? Eight hundred and fifty divided by one hundred and fifty. Well, I don't know. Yeah, was that what it was? Was that was it eight hundred two and a half two and a half hours? Uh, one hundred and twenty five. Yeah, one hundred fifty five, yeah, five yeah. and a half. A little over five and a half per minute. Yeah. Five and a half per minute. Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty impressive. That's that wild. is pretty impressive. You know, <laughs> like, wasn't one of our then, wasn't uh, Stina one of our patrons saying that like a vet can immunize like 
fucking 200 people in one second or something. I forget the time <laughs> interval, but it was really impressive. <laughs> 200 people in one second. That's her fucked. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't the... I think um, A-Train. I think a, they got A-Train helping out. Yeah, right. With the <laughs> is, yeah. is the, is the um, challenge of doing that many people, though, too... Like I'm, I'm imagining you find out that your refrigerator's fucked up, right? And you're trying to store the vaccines, and all of a sudden you think, "Shit, we only have, we can only hang on to these for so long. We need to get, we need to vaccinate as many people as possible." So, what do you do? Do you put out, you put out a tweet, you call the news, you go to the side of the road with a big sign in front of the hospital and say, "Free vaccines right now!" Like what? What well, did they do to get people they, to come in and get they, the vaccine? They alerted the public through social media and by making phone calls to places such as nursing homes. Employees also helped spread the news. Quote, word of, what, word of mouth is a, is a pretty powerful tool, said someone with the last name Howe, because I didn't read the rest of the article here. Howe added they <laughs> would have decentralized the allotment to other locations outside of Yukia, but a semi-truck jackknife across Highway 101 on Monday morning, making it difficult to transport the vaccines what? before they fully thought. So they, it was just Jesus. like a huge fucking mess. Clusterfuck. And, and they, they put it out to the world through social media, through phone calls, through word of mouth. Ukiah resident Richard Selzer, 68, was among those who jumped on the opportunity Monday when he arrived at the church set up as a vaccine center with his three adult children at 1.30 p.m. More than 100 mask-wearing people were in line and only 30 doses remained. So it was just, people were just like, fuck, they're, I mean, think about it this way, right? It's like, they got, they, they have all these, they have all these vaccinations and they're, they're being told, okay, you guys, uh, you know, whoever, whoever, whoever's like the health, the health department of this like county is going to go, all right, these vaccinations are allotted, like here, are allotted for healthcare professionals and, Mm -hmm you know, um, uh, whatever, let's say like seniors living in senior homes or whatever. And so, but then, then they get it and they're like, fuck the fridge broke. (laughs) It's gotta go, it's it's gotta go to anybody. Fucking dish it out. And so, yeah, you know, they just put a call out there. Like vaccine, free vaccine. Whoever wants a vaccine, everyone want a vaccine, come get your vaccine. And I imagine though, because then then you have to give a second dose, right? So, like I did assume they these 850 them. people, they're yeah. like, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to make sure that all 850 people come back in two weeks to get the next one. Cause I imagine yeah. that's harder than, than, you know, what's interesting though, is that like, like some people, people were, some people don't like kind of talk a little bit on the hesitancy side of it. I was having a conversation with a friend, um, last week and, uh, we started talking about the vaccine and, and he was like, we, he, he was kind of like, oh man, I hope I don't have to get it until like way down the line. And I was like, whoa, really? Why? I mean, you won't get it till way down the line because of the sort of like demographic that you're in. But I'm so curious as to why you don't want to get it right. Like life will get so much easier for you once you have it. I mean, like if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, there's a vaccine, you know, not somebody who's like outside the grocery store or something, but like, you know, Actually, give a guy in a trench coat with with his dick out underneath, and he just goes, "Hey!" <laughs> and he opens it up, and there's just there's just needles in all the well. All well, the you know, well, like, you know, as crazy as crazy as that theory. is, as crazy as that is, I don't, I can't remember if we nice. talked about this on the show, but that happened in like the opposite of that happened to the guy to a guy in Churro, the guy, uh, one of the guys that worked at the corn maze. Where, oh, yeah, 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 where, yeah. 
He That's and right. he was I I it sounded like if you read between the lines it was basically that this guy who worked at the corn maze who was re- just a really um I hate to I hate to call I, and again I'm reading I'm totally inferring but it sounded like this was a very simple man and he he th- somebody came up to him at the grocery store and basically said hey what do I you mean by you simple for man like <laughs> just go just let him get by let him don't don't keep him on the hook for that just just let him let him yeah go. yeah don't keep me yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah thank you thank you brian thank you brian just um, we, know, we all know i just mean i just i just mean i just mean forrest gump simple man yeah 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 like like a forest sure, like a forest sure, gump sure right sure okay, okay. but right. not with with less um endurance training uh so so he basically saw a guy came up to him and was like, Hey, do you want me to give you a COVID test? And he was like, uh, yeah, I, do I need it? And he was like, yeah, you should probably get it. And he was like, okay, meet me, uh, meet me outside in 10 minutes. Guy went outside, paid him 10 bucks or something. The guy basically like pricked him with something like a needle. Didn't do anything. Um, something like a needle. And then on the spot said, yeah, you got COVID. <laughs> um, and then went to, and then went to his employer, who is the guy that owns the corn maze and runs the corn maze um, over Halloween, and said, "Hey, I have COVID," and they had to shut down the corn maze and you know the public health and say anybody who was there between this time and this time. Anyway, and through a whole series a of events, they found out that he didn't actually have COVID because he was never actually tested. And then and when it came it, to that, he he had to confront the guy, though his his employee, and his employee was like, "Hey, this is what happened. I I." And and then it became clear that he he had just been taken advantage of by somebody, it's, which is really sad. It's, it is. Did you sad, hear who it was? It's, it's the most true thing that could have happened. Did you hear who it was? <laughs> did you hear who did it? The guy in the parking lot was actually a competing corn maze from down the road. No, dude, this, is this is a Scooby Doo. This is a Scooby Doo. They would get shut Brian, down. Are you fucking with me right now? So that he could. This is Encyclopedia so Brown the benefits. Yeah, I'm telling you, no. you gotta look into it. No. You gotta look you're into it. No, fuck you, bro. No, yeah, you gotta lying. look it up. He's lying. Anybody He's who's lying, man. Anybody who says you gotta look into it, I've I've stopped yeah. believing them. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you, you gotta you gotta look into it. Uh, that okay. is a Scooby Doo episode. Let's, uh, <laughs> folks, let us let us throw to a conversation that I was really stoked, Lauren, that you booked Dr. Jody Carrington. As our first Feel Good Friday episode back from uh, the holidays, because I that woman, she's just she just has this ability to kind of like lift you up, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and she did that. She lifted us right up. Uh, just such a ball of energy. So much fun. We love fucking talking to this woman. Cannot wait to have her on the show again. Uh, folks, buckle up. Hope you enjoy our conversation here with Dr. Jody Carrington, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah, yeah we yeah. are here, and uh, we are back with our past guest, Dr. Jody Carrington. And uh, I, look, first Feel Good Friday of 2021. And I could not think of a more ideal guest to sit down with us and talk about what we've gone through and what we are looking at ahead of us. Um, 
I look, I am I I would say out of the three of us, um, uh, Taylor, Brian, and myself, I am probably the more pessimistic um, out of the three. Uh, I'm not a. I, I don't. I, would I don't agree think I'm, with that. Yeah, I've, I know you would agree. I it's don't think easy, I'm like an. an I'm I, just saying. I, I, it's easy to be more pes- pessimistic than Taylor and I because I I like yes. Taylor like to identify as an inherent optimist. So yes. it's not hard to be more pessimistic than us. Yeah, and Brian is an unrealistic optimist, and I'm I'm like a realistic <laughs> pessimist. And so, but I will I will say this: I'm coming into 2021. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling inspired i'm feeling ready i'm feeling ready if if 2021 is gonna be a a, a you know 2022.0 i'm i'm ready for it i feel like i've built up some like um some I, and i i was listening to the last time we spoke to you jody and we were talking about emotional regulation and i think i learned quite a bit about my own my own tools that i use for emotional regulation and i'm excited to put that shit to use in 2021 but before we get into all of that, it's been a while since we've spoken to you. It's been since September, and I know a lot has happened in your life. Jody, how are you? Jeremy, listen, okay, so first of all, I'm so good, and I've been looking forward to this all year. Like, who doesn't want to hang all out year. with you? All year. All year. All year. All five days. recording this on January 5th. I have been counting the sleeps in this year to be with you. Uh, and I'm so excited to be here. There has been so much. I don't know if you heard about the, the, the pandy. I, <laughs> I'm aware. I'm pandy. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Slightly. So we Remind were quarantined me. for 38 days with my personal children. I own three of them with my personal husband. And uh, we didn't get divorced. It was close. Uh, but four out of five of us uh, got to COVID. Wow. And Whoa. it was something. I will tell you, it was something. And uh, we learned a lot about community and connection and how you survive hard things. And um, I think the thing that I'm most interested in, as you said, you know, you're going to step into this year. If this is 2020. 2.0. Um, I got to tell you, I don't think, I don't think it's going to be 2.0, but I think that when you remove the stressor, it doesn't mean the stress response is gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the critical piece that we all, and this is why people, you know, they, they take stress leave at work or they go into retirement or the, if I could just get to the birthday, if I could just get mm. to the end of chemo, if I can just get to the whatever we're like, then I'm going to be so fucking good. There's so much erroneous thinking in that idea because you remove the stressor, but you don't remove the stress response. And for most of 2020, we were heightened the fuck out and worried about our kids and our families and disconnected and mad at the government and mad at uh, the virus and mad at each other. And Mm. divorce rates are through the roof. Childhood maltreatment is through the roof because people are dysregulated. So now there's the the promise of the vaccine but I, I think we got to buckle up. I think we got to mm. buckle up as people who, who serve communities and be ready to fucking dance because this year's the year to be even braver than we were in 2020. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. 
Mm. And isn't it that like when that, that thinking of, you know, you can kind of apply that thinking to a lot of things. Like I'll be happy when I'll be, I'll be better when I'll be less stressed when, you know, this definitive moment happens. And like after that point in time, things will be different, you know, markedly like at that, at that, at that moment in time, which obviously we know, you know, from countless stories and, and our own life experience that that's just not the case. What, I mean, is it, is it, is it like, we should almost always be prepared that when, when something like we get the news of the vaccine, Hey, the vaccine's coming light at the end of the tunnel. Like, like the, the pandemic is likely going to draw to a close sometime in 2021, but then there will be something else. And knowing that there's something else that is equal to equal, you know, equally stressful, maybe not for the whole world, but maybe for your little microcosm, your family, your community, like something arises. I think we got to do the exact opposite, Tay. I really do. Because I think we have been raised by a generation of worst case scenarioers. And I don't know if you, I mean, if you raise on the East coast of Canada or by a farmer, you're fucked because basically generally we're not optimistic about Mm. the future. Just Mm. wait for it. Somebody's going to (laughs) die. I would say to my grandfather, like, Oh my God, it's so great. We got so much rain yesterday. Too wet. And then the sun would come and be like, "Mm -mm, everything's too dry. I don't know when it's going to rain again. And I'm thinking, right. And so we anticipate the worst. And three generations ago, there was that sense that like, be careful. You have to be prepared for battle because we didn't have intel. We didn't have support. So the tigers were coming. You needed to get ready. Mm -hmm. We come from multiple generations of that now. But what we've missed and Eastern philosophical thinking is so much more brilliant than we are. And has said this for years. The only thing you have is the present moment. Mm. And being able to anticipate uh, our tendency to worst case scenario, everything means that as we step into 2020, one of my biggest deals is how do we get back into this moment? Because Mm. even with the virus or without it, there could be, sorry, virus, yeah, virus with or without it, vaccine with or without it, um, the impending doom of the multiple diagnoses that are likely all going to happen to us. I mean, we thought about all of it. Um, How do we just not miss it? How do we not miss it? How do we not miss the moment? And I think that's that's the answer, because I think then even even if this becomes more difficult um, it's easier to stay connected when you are mindful, when you're present with each other. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like the Buddhist philosophy of like, there's no good, there's no bad. It, it just is. is. But but, you know, it's funny because I kind of I when I went to and did my yoga teacher training, I remember hearing that um, philosoph- philosophical idea come up. Um, during one of our, our sessions and I really attached myself to it. I was like, there's no good, there's no bad. It just is. And I'm the type of person who loves when things are like, I think like a lot of people loves when things are going well in your life and mm-hmm. you sort of like feel, you know, invigorated by those moments where you you're on this high and like, it just seems like you, you can do no wrong. Um, but then there's these like really low lows and the only reason you get to experience those high highs are because of the low lows. So it's sort of beautiful to be in that fluctuation of good and bad at the same time. So I sort of like prescribed to these two ideas where like I understand the value of like being present in the moment and just sort of like experiencing things as they are and not worrying too much about the future. But like it, like how do we carry ourselves? Like what is the right mindset to have in these situations where we're dealing with these like really extreme in this case, lows. 
And isn't there, I think the truth of that, isn't that really nice to sit in yoga teacher training and be like, there isn't good or bad. It just is. And then when you like, you have the pandemic, have the COVID, you're in your house with four people. You shouldn't have married your husband. You really should have married that guy from grade 12. Cause he could fucking cook. And you're like, you know what? This isn't just, I, I'm mad. Like this sucks. And I think that's a part of grief. That's the part of loss. I think there is a moment where you just have to sink into that and be like, this is bad. This is like how do we acknowledge and i think the i mean the indigenous culture has taught me this more than anything i mean because i mean honestly in the middle of this global pandemic from a virus we're also facing multiple discussions about systemic oppression that we haven't talked about in my lifetime and i'm Mm. horrified by all of by all of that and the indigenous culture has taught me this the power of acknowledgement Mm. is the gateway to allowing you to be present if you do not acknowledge somebody's pain hurt past they will not rise Mm -hmm. no matter how much you try to fix it. And think about this, how often we do with our partners. How about you try this? Did you try this? At least, you know what? Okay. I, when we don't do that middle, very critical first step of acknowledging you cannot fix, but Mm -hmm. the simple act and it's free of acknowledging means it is a superpower beyond superpower. How hard has this been? You're 33 years old. You have CF. You're kicking the shit out of it and telling, showing people how it's done. Wow. What's the hardest part? How are you doing it? And when we acknowledge, then we have, when we feel seen, then we rise every fucking time. Every time. I'm rising right now. I feel so seen (laughs) right now. I'm rising to the occasion. Fuck that. 2021. But it that that idea reminds me of 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 going to therapy. Like when I hear you Mm. say that, it's like this the last time I was here. I feel I've been on the therapy. Let me give you let me give you a little hint, Jody. Everything that Brian hears in every single conversation, every single day of the week, reminds me of therapy. Guys, I'm I'm annoying to my my friends and family now because uh, it's all I want to talk about it. but it's had such a profound impact in my yes. life like it helps me understand the reason why I do things and the, mm. why I think certain ways so when you start to acknowledge those patterns and those habits and understand not just acknowledge the pattern but understand like what where did the, what, is, what is the origin point of those things like where did they come from why are you the way that that you are right. then you're able to start to do some work there Yeah. And we make a big mistake uh, around behavioral modification so much, right? Because we want to fix the pain in ourselves, in our partners. Okay, let's do this. Even with a physical injury or illness, we want to fix it. Here's the three things of therapy you need to do. Here's your physio exercises. Here's what you need to do. I will not be as uh, effective in that process if I don't say this fucking hurts, dude. Look at me. Mm -hmm. I bet this is tough. I got you. Before we try to fix it, just tell me what the hardest part is. And when we acknowledge, then we rise. And so when somebody comes to me with depression or anxiety, I can say, okay, you should go for a run. Um, Are you drinking your water? Right? Are you watching your diet? What do you want to say to somebody when they try to fix it before they acknowledge it? You want to say, fuck off. Because generally, we know the answers. What you truly want in my office is to say, this is awful. Mm. You look exhausted. You've been holding up the weight of the world for so many people and nobody's noticed. I'm so glad you're here. Tell me more. You can almost feel in that conversation, right? The shoulders drop, the respirations slow. And then I know you have everything you need to conquer this world. You just you just said that not even to me. And that hit so profoundly deep that I almost started crying when you said that. Because I think people just need to people need to hear that. 
And it, and and we are you're right. We are so quick to try to fix things rather than just sit with them and experience them and feel them. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what like, no, I'm not going to say therapy again, but yeah, well, actually, it's like it's like therapy. therapy. It's like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it is therapy. <laughs> no, Brian, but the you're... intention. The in, oh, sorry, Tay. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. The intention behind it is beautiful. And I don't want us to miss that, right? Because the more we mean to somebody, the more we try to fix. When you're on your second date, you will listen to the problems of that person who you're falling in love with all day long. You'll say, oh, it was a tough day, sweetheart. Oh, you you feel like you're getting a cold? Oh, my love. I'll bring you some chicken soup. 10 years, three kids later, you're like, listen, fuck show. You're fine. Because <laughs> I yeah. have it too, right? Yeah. Because yeah. here's the problem. If he's not okay or she's not okay, I'm not okay. And so we are so we want to fix the people who matter the most to us the most because of this simple thing. If they're not okay, we're not okay. The intention is fantastic. The perception often is I'm not good enough. I'm not well enough. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not showing up well enough for you or the kids or this life we're building. Mm. And that is where we mess things up, right? In the beginning, we hold space, which is why we fall in love with people because you can hold space for me. You can, you're excited about the things I love. You, you're, you're getting, you're acknowledging the things I do. By the time mm. we get into planning a wedding or getting married and having kids, I'm like, eh, you're fine. Yeah, you're yeah, good. Yeah. I don't want to uh, uh, talk about cows. Like, I mean, my husband is. I think I told you this last time. A feedlot nutritionist. He's got a PhD in how to feed cows. It's a thing. In the beginning, <laughs> I was so impressed by that. I mean, he's judged yeah. cattle all over the world. I would fly to places and watch him in a ring with a stick. Oh, it's my husband. Now I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I, I don't care. I don't care. No cows more cows. Yeah. But you know what I, I mean? Because I want him to like look at me, acknowledge yeah. me. There's still yeah. things I'm doing. You think cows are important? I'm fucking changing the world over here. Cows. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's something like the 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 this this conversation always 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 excites me and gets my mind moving because um you know, like you mentioned, Brian, when you you know the the idea of like nothing is good or nothing is bad. I I, I teach I teach philosophy in my own yoga teacher training that I run and 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 the the it, the yoga the yoga sutras basically look at the way that the mind works and say that you've got a you've got you've got a baseline and you you rise above that baseline and you fall below that baseline depending on how you react to things so good things bring you up and bad things bring you below your baseline and some people fluctuate a lot up and a lot down and some people not very much but the goal from that philosophy's perspective is to stay on the baseline regardless of the thing and, and from the, from not, and, and so taking what you said there, Brian, on, you know, nothing is good and nothing is bad and taking that like one step further and going, well, everything is good or bad, but how we, how we react to it, to that bad or to that good is sort of under our control. And, and the thing that kind of fascinates me most about this philosophy that I've t- probably taken the most from is something called the tattvas which are all the ways in which the external world influences how we think we feel or who we think we are. And so we are this so that, you know, if, if you ever listen to yoga philosophy or, or if you ever listening to like really hear really cliche shit about, about yoga, yoga speak and oneness and all that stuff, what it's really trying to say is you are a, you are a, you are you. And you've been you since you were in the womb, since the moment that you were created. And along the way, you know, you 
you you were born, you got friends, they influenced you, you played a sport that influenced you, you had this tragedy that influenced you, and all these layers get layered on top of you and make you who you think you are, but underneath all that stuff, you're still this base, you're still the base version of you, mm-hmm. and everything else is influencing you. Mm-hmm. And the and recognizing what it is that is influencing you is key to recognizing what you really who you really are or what you really want. And that's so, therapy. Yeah. There you go, Bri. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, but I did want I'm glad that I'm glad that Joe said it because you. I didn't want to jump in there and <laughs> but and that but, always really just really fascinated me because I mean I like to go to and, and again what you said there, Bri, you said something about like, you know, we don't sit with it often enough. Because when you do sit and think about it, you can start to point out this is why I feel this way. I feel this way because this person said this thing and that affects me because of this experience or because, you know, whatever, the, it could be a thousand things. Do you, do you know what I think is even more powerful in, in the same vein is the idea that we often try to cognitively process so much of this stuff and so much of it is held in our body. So the underlining psychiatric sort of neurological underpinning to any trauma experience is that the body keeps the score. And so you will be sort of driving around on Christmas Eve, looking at Christmas lights and just feel something, right? And you're like, why, why am I feeling like this? I mean, like I'm here with my partner, we're healthy, everything's great. We're but Because in Christmas Eve, when you were eight, grandpa died mm-hmm. and the light of the Christmas lights takes you back there and it, the body keeps the score. And part, one of the beautiful things about therapy for me, which is why I've committed my whole life to helping people understand this is to connect this with this in talk therapy. I'm much less interested in talking. I'm much more interested in you telling me what it feels like in your body. Mm-hmm. And this is the heart of all trauma work. So I work lots with police officers. We've just had a police officer killed by the line of duty on, on New Year's Eve yeah, here. And there's a community who's just so disconnected and you want to talk about it cognitively. And my question always is, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it? And people are like, and you understand this, you know, from an Eastern philosophical perspective as a yogi, do I say a yogi? Is that what you're called? Yeah, you got it. Okay. A yogatonian. There's the constant redirection back to the body, right? Which I so love. And some of my biggest psychiatrists who are all trained in medical models, but then I think went on to do really great things like Bessel van der Kolk or Stan Kutcher uh, is a psychologist, but he's on the East Coast. Um, Bruce Perry. Um, and, um, uh, there's so many, anyway, when they say things like, um, Daniel Siegel, it's this idea of there's a neurological underpinning that happens because you get emotionally dysregulated in scary situations, but how do you encode that? And rarely does it have anything to do where you sort of say, Oh, that I think this, because it's generally much more powerful when we're like, it just feels like Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. a failure. I feel it like there's like a pain in my chest. And when's the last time you felt that? Well, God, it's fucking weird you say that because I remember when I was mowing the lawn with my dad and he said, hey, you're not good enough to fix that lawnmower by yourself. You're a girl. I felt that same thing. And so it's it's compounding all of those experiences where the heart felt sunk that has been layered, that is so different, uh, that makes us all unique because your story in, as you grow up as a boy or as a straight woman or as a, you know, whoever transgendered man, this is how all of these things come together. Mm -hmm. And it's the unpacking and the telling of the story that is just 
fascinating to me, which mm-hmm. is why this podcast is fantastic. I mean, when you bring people on here, it is, I could listen to stories for the rest of my days because mm-hmm. it really is how intricately we are so woven into this common existence of just wanting to be acknowledged. It is so powerful. Like, you know, if I, I'm sure, I'm sure I, I know that Brian, Brian, Jerry, you have had this, like, I will be driving and, you know, a song will come on shuffle and I'll just like start to cry. And it's not even like, it's not sadness. It's not happiness. It's just like, it's just like emotion. Yeah. Every and time, every time all star from smash mouth comes on. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. It, that's the it, one that usually it's gets me right. Me. It's actually, gut, it's know? actually might as well be, might as well be, uh, might as well. What's that? What's it called? Might as well be rocking on the sun by yeah. by Smash Mouth for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. But um, totally. that one, every Smash, time. Smash Mouth has your heart. Mine's yeah, Smash, Smash, Smash Mouth. Well, now that we're sharing, mine's "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time" by Britney Spears. Uh, right. But, I, Britney but Spears I wasn't going to say it. it but right. yeah, but you just I feel, feel that you you, you feel it. But I do. And it I just, do get what you're saying. Yeah, it yeah. just like happens, and you know, I feel like when it's a song that I know because I feel it. Cause I, cause I do, I do exactly that Jody. And then I, and then I bring the, the brain into it where I, I feel it. And then I go, why is that? And then I, and then I do connect it and I go, oh man, you know, I'm walking along Lake Banook and all of a sudden I make, I have this smell come into my senses and I'm reminded of the time that I was like 15 and had my first kiss with this girl that I was head over heels for like, you know, 10 meters over there. And it's just like, oh, whoa! You're just smashed with this, yeah. with this very physical emotion, and then, and then being able to place it and understand it from that perspective, like, why do I feel this way? And she can cook, and you are now regret. Yeah, now I regret my Kyla current relationship. Kyla only yeah. cooks vegan, <laughs> and you miss meat. What? I get it. I get it. I get it. This, I get it. This is the problem. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem. Uh, speak, I, speaking. Of, Go ahead, Brian. I, I do just. I, I wanted to oh, ask though, like the the thing when I when I it's so nice to like be with you guys talking about this because we all, you know, I think we all have the same sort of shared level of awareness where it it's really you're willing to go to that place, and I think that for so many people, mm, and, I, and mm-hmm. I would probably guess like the majority of people on this planet, it's such an uncomfortable feeling to go there. Mm-hmm. People don't want anything to do with that. And, you know, I, I feel very privileged from my perspective of growing up without having to face a lot of uh, trauma. And so I know that I can go back into my past and sort of like wander around carefree of, of not being afraid of like opening up a box of something that, you know, is, is going to be really, really, really hard to unpack. And so I, I, I'm acknowledging that, but I'm also, I, I think that there's something more important here that is, is, this, this idea of sitting with these really traumatic experiences and, and trying to understand them and go through them. Um, but Jody, from your perspective, like how beneficial is it? And this is, I guess, a bit of a leading question, but how beneficial is it for somebody who is dealing with that trauma, who has, who has that so shoved deep down and, and are, are so afraid of unpacking it because you know, they're sort of, they, they feel like they're at that baseline. Like they feel like they're getting by because they know they've been able to suppress these things for so long that they're like, fuck, if I open that shit up, I'm, you know, this could be really dangerous. Right. Right. Like, like 
is there a benefit in going there? Like, what is the benefit of, of, of going to that space? And why is that important? Yeah, I, I love that question. Okay, so here's how I best understand it. Um, because when I work with police officers all the time, I've never met a police officer who hasn't experienced post-trauma. And when we think about the neurological explanation of an emotion, you've got to go through it. You've got to finish it. So a physical injury and a psychological injury are the exact same things to me. And when you say, you know, I, I haven't experienced a... Um, a very traumatic childhood, there are certain things that are considered traumatic just by nature of, you know, physical, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, divorce is mm. the top in the top 10 when we look at the ACEs research. But when we look at um, a physical injury and a psychological injury, mental health still has such a stigma. But here's what we know, early intervention and naming it, identifying the issue will always make it better in the end. And so, for example, let me give you this example. You play rugby, okay? So think about my police officer, guys, as I'm telling you this story. You're tough. Everybody around you tells you you're tough. You go out, you're the captain of the rugby team. You understand me? Everybody's like, yeah, he's here. You come in. You go to kick the ball or tackle somebody's ears and you, you, you throw your knee out so bad, like the, 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 the front of it, the patella, I don't even know what it's called. Something shoots around to the back. Like it is so fucking bad. Everybody goes, Hey, you, you're tough. You understand? That's it. It's fine. You're fine. You pull that patella, you slam it on the front and you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. And people are like, are you good? You're like, yeah. Like, I'm not fucking good, but you, you want to show the world that you're good. So you stamp off the field by like marching, you know, <laughs> and then you go definitely home. don't want to march on that. Don't oh, march God. on it. So you go home and you're like, fuck, that really hurt. And people are calling you. Are you okay? You're sure you're okay. You're like, yeah, I'm good. Good. Because the culture tells us, particularly for men mm. over for women, but we think about some of our really high stressful jobs, like our first responder world. We're fine. You're good. We're good. You're good. Don't be a pussy. You're good. Mm. We're mm. good pretty soon you're not good. Huh? That knee is keeping you up at night. So you're having a drink and then you're having some Tylenol and then you come back and the coach is benching you. See, because you're not as good as you used to be. And you're like, what the fuck's your problem? You're irritable. You're not sleeping. You're on edge. And he's like, what the shit? So you come to me, you say 10 years later and you say, doc, I think I blew my knee out 10 years ago. I don't really want to talk about it. But can you please tell me if that's the case? And now if you imagine me as a psychologist and I'll stick with this analogy, I would say, let me take a look at your knee. No, Okay, well, I'm going to have to look to decide whether there's something in there. Okay, fine. So I look and I say, yeah, dude, you blew it out. I'm going to have to re-break it to be able to get you do some physio so that you can get back and use that again. Are you game with that? Is it going to hurt? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it really is. Okay, you know what? I'm fine. I'm going to, okay, let's keep it there then. If you want to walk on crutches and take painkillers every single day, maybe that's where we need to stay. That's okay, right? Let's do that choice together. But here's what I'd love to do. Let's try this. So if I do this in therapy, what I'm going to do is open that up. It's going to hurt like a motherfucker. And I'm going to break that thing. And guess what they say every time after I set that leg again, theoretically, I should have never done this. Mm. It was so much better to be numb. I said, I bet Mm. it does. But Mm. look at me. I got you. I got you. Now I want you to take a step on that new knee. I I used to be able to run. This is stupid. I used to be able to run. I know. Take a step. Look, take a step. This is not getting any better. I hate you. You said this was going to get better. And then I say, let me remind you where you were six months ago. Do you remember when you were in my office six months ago and you hated life and you were suicidal? Do you remember that? What'd you do today? Well, I played with my kids today. Mm -hmm. You're doing better. I'm going to, you're not going to see it. I'm going to see it before you will. Just trust me. Okay. Six, seven, eight months later. Okay. Exact same experience. If I would have got to that guy post-trauma, 
right? If I would have went on the field and said, listen, sweet muffin, lay down. You are not fine. I can see your patella is at the back of your leg. We need to do surgery today and put you through physio. You would recover, right? Initial mm-hmm. intervention seems so much better. If I mm-hmm. see a guy who watches his fellow officer killed in the line of duty, I need that guy in 72 hours. Mm. And I'm not going to fix it. Here's the problem because, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to debrief. We're going to get you to name it. And we're going to do all these things. Uh-uh-uh. All I need to do is acknowledge it and take a look so that we know what we're dealing with so that we can put that back together. Okay. So trauma, psychological injury, whatever you want is very similar to me than a, um, to a physical injury. The earlier I intervene, uh, and the better I sort of support you in that process. Will you ever be the same after, after a physical injury? No. Will you ever be the same after a psychological injury? I mean, depending on the nature of the impact, right? Mm. If you just, I mean, you get stitches in your, in your leg because somebody's cleat went through the top of your thigh and you get three stitches. Are you okay? Yes. Fuck yes. If you, if you uh, miss something on the scene and you do something a little bit differently on a scene and you're like, Oh fuck. Okay. Let's talk about it. I listen, I wasn't thinking here. I'm so sorry. Can we make this right? Okay. I'm going to apologize to the family. I, I finish that emotion. I replace it. And then I'm done. My brain can then wire that back to where it needs to. If I go home at night and I think I fucking missed that call. I intubated that kid wrong. Fuck me. Fuck. I'm a fucking asshole. I think I killed that kid. I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. It eats you from the inside out. You understand? Mm. You have to finish that emotion. And so, so much of it is this idea of naming it to tame it. How do we, how, how does, how do we get better in general, like on mass for, to, intervene early because it seems to me I'm guessing that because because something physical I mean this is something we talk about all the time like physical like visible illness versus invisible illness Mm -hmm. and how you know if you can if you can or have the opportunity to to um to assert that you're okay psychologically seemingly much easier than like a than the physical thing so and so i i am assume and I, i'm assuming that that um masking that psychological trauma um is incredibly common and so how how do we intervene early and get better at intervening early like is that you know i mean and, and you know pick whatever example suits you is it if it's you know if it's police is it the is it the you know, the, the post, um, scene, uh, processes that are put in place by the department or, um, you know, what, whatever it might be that gets that person in front of someone like you. So two early. things, I don't think, I don't think it has to be in front of somebody like me. I think, and, and this is the misnomer, right? You have to go to therapy to figure this out. You have to surround yourself with people who have an emotional language. And I often say this, that the future's female, but the future is a female energy because we have so much more of an emotional language because historically, even to this day, if you walk down, listen, if I said, I'm coming to Christmas, fellas, let's heat it up. I got a new baby. I'm going to bring a new baby. I'm going to introduce my new baby to you. Okay. I walk in through the door and this baby's dressed in pink. Guess what happens to the octaves of everybody's voice? Up. Oh, oh exactly. my God. Oh, get her a blanket. Oh, she looks a bit chilly. Is she fragile? Oh, you're frustrated. <laughs> if I bring into your house and I come in and I say, I've had a son. This is my son. I'd like you to meet him. Guess what happens? Let's all do our boy, baby. Oh, oh, hey, baby, 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 baby. <laughs> 
posture changes. And so from almost in from conception, once we know the, the sex of our child, the way we interact changes, which means we say to boys to this day, so much more than we say to little girls, you're fine. Boys don't cry, mm, suck mm. it up, spit on it. I mean, I grew up on a farm, right? So spit on it. My dad would say to me, boys don't cry. And I would say, I'm a girl. And he's like, I don't care. Right? Because <laughs> oh there's this idea that vulnerability is weakness, right? right. Vulnerability is weakness. And we, we, we face that all the time. So right now, if we are more and more disconnected in our society and people are more disconnected in this way, how do we get, have opportunities for each other to say, that looks like that's hard. Or let me tell mm. you about what that was like in therapy. Let me tell you about what, when I got these, you know, so when we can sit with three men who can sink in, I love when you say that, Brian, these hard conversations, I'm so grateful for them because it feels good when you have an emotional language. When you don't, this would be uncomfortable as fuck for somebody mm. who has no, and th there's, there's sort of this idea like the, the idea to be able to to say it is is really around this this capacity for an emotional language and when you don't have it oftentimes other people naming it is the most beautiful thing mm. right looks like this is you know and and not saying things like that you look sad that's a you want to throat punch people when they say that mm. this looks fucking <laughs> awful dude right i, I think this, I, I think this is like this is one of the things that i want i want to continue to remind myself, uh, you know, coming back to the very beginning, like talking about going, coming out of 2020 into 2021 and just like not forgetting that, you know, um, we, we all just, we all just collectively experienced a really traumatic year together. And that, uh, when you experience trauma, it's not like, it's not like when you're once you've come out like the uh, like the next day everything's fine and you're 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 going to go back to normal you know this is like this is going to have lasting effects and so you know one of the things the one of my intentions for coming into this conversation today was to was to like keep an ear out for the the sort of like energy that I that and I'm speaking personally here but that I personally want to take into 2021 and and it's it's what you were just saying right there. It's just like it's to just continuously remind myself that that, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with, um, we we just like just we just need to be there for them. It's it, the the quote that you said that that you the Ramdas quote that you said. Um, in the the first conversation that we had, it's just like it's it's again popping up in my mind. Um, uh, we're all just walking each other home. Like this this year, twenty twenty one, truly is the time where it's like it's time for us to step up and to see each other and truly walk each other home because mm. it's been a really uh, a really intense twelve months, and so yeah. we're coming. You know, it's not, we're not out of the, we're not out of the, the thick of it, but we're, we, uh, we can, we can really like work on supporting on, on bringing each other through over these next few months because it's just so, so fucking key. And we, know? and we never will be out of it. And I think that's part mm. of the issue. It's not an end game. Mm -hmm. Don't ever underestimate your power to simply acknowledge each other. Yeah. If you want to make a huge impact in 2021, it, it's not going to be reflected in Instagram numbers. It's going to be reflected in how you look at the people in your house, yeah. how you intend to people at the Starbucks line every single day. 
I often say as a therapist, um, you know, when, when I look at what I just created a program for, um, all mental health therapists in K to 12 education, I want to train them to be able to understand that their job is to build a village around every kid who needs it mm. the most mm. because individual therapy in all honesty, particularly with kids is a waste of time if done in isolation. Because I can give you the strategies to do better in your life. But if I don't hang on to your mama and your cookum and your auntie and get their perspective and give them, provide them some information around empathy so they know when you're flipping tables and telling people to fuck off, it's because you've got the shit beat out of you for the last three years. When I tell you that, you're like, okay, okay, come here. Come here, Jackson. Come on, baby boy. Versus this is not a good choice. Practice your breathing. Right? You see the two very different approaches that happen. And I'm now going to walk this baby home. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to fix him. Mm-hmm. I, right. I, I I was having this like really, I sort of had this flip of perspective because I was thinking as you were talking, Jody, how important it is to be there and support and welcome kids because like they are the future generation. And if we can instill with them these values of having this uh, language or way to express themselves and how they feel and, and, and take away the stigma from that and make it more comfortable to have these types of conversations then that's what's really important. But I, I see that, but also I realize that we can't just have that expectation of them. We need to demonstrate that. We need mm. to kids, be the kids are not the problem. show them. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not saying, they might I'm, be the I'm solution, but we have to help them. <laughs> you know, We have to show them that it's important. As a child psychologist, I rarely see a kid mm. because the kids are not the problem. I got to hang on to the big people. And when I do work with educators, I, they say, will you talk to the kids? Will you come in and speak to the kids about suicide or depression or bullying or all those things? No. No, it's a waste of my time. I want to talk to the big people mm-hmm. because if we're okay, the people we live, we lead, we love, we teach, they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. My biggest intervention as a therapist is always with the people who hold the kid. Mm-hmm. It's like training it's a dog. It's it, like, you know, it, training a dog. You're not, when you, when you, when you have someone training your dog, the, the dog trainer's training you. The yeah. dog trainer's not training your dog. The dog trainer's going, I'm training you, the human on how to show up for your dog. And then your dog goes, Same oh, thing. Fuck, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like, I think... Children of, are dogs. Yeah, dogs are children. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned same the, same. Uh, the, same, same. the the trauma of, of uh, for children and going through uh, their parents getting divorced. And and <clears throat> I was thinking like, how do you have... so you And, and you're talking about early um, intervention at that point. And, mm-hmm. and I was thinking like, you know, I, my parents got divorced when I was 15 and mm-hmm. like, how was, how was I supposed to know how to, like, I, I wasn't going to go to a therapist. That's not what I needed at that time. Anyway, I needed friends that I could talk to about the experience that I was going through. And, and so like, how do we create the environment for kids to, to know that it's okay to explore those emotions and talk openly about them? And, and I think that the answer is to demonstrate it. Be the adults that show that. You can't tell anybody. You have to show them. Mm -hmm. You can't tell somebody how to be anti-racist. You have to show them. You can't tell somebody how to calm down. I mean, never in the history of telling somebody to calm down has calm down ever worked. (laughs) You can't tell them you have to show them, right? And Mm -hmm. in this very important thing, you can't tell somebody they matter. You're so important to me, Brian, for God's sake. (laughs) Okay? You matter. (laughs) It's very different than I'd be like, you know, dude, I am so grateful that you took an hour to talk to me. I, I feel like the luckiest person on the planet. Mm. So I'm, I'm so glad I get to spend an hour with you is so much different than I got to show you. I can't tell you. And guess what that requires connection face to face showing up, 
turning on your cameras, driving through a lineup at Starbucks, making eye contact with that poor kid who's making your latte, looking at your husband, your wife, your child, your school teacher, your whoever. We look all the time right now, you understand me, but we do not see mm. because we're too busy. We're too distracted. You know, the hardest thing to do in the planet is to make eye contact with somebody you're crazy in love with. Huh? Yeah, if I absolutely. said to you tonight, I need you to go home You know, for four minutes, you need to look into your partner's eyes. That's your job tonight. That's your homework. Do you want to know how fucking uncomfortable that is? You would rather go walk your dog. You would rather get on the Instagram. You would rather hang out with you because if you have to look, I mean, I try this. I think I told you this, but I tried this with my personal husband. I was like, babe, hey, can you, can we just look at each other for four minutes? And he's like, why? Because uh, we're married and we own three children together. He's like, oh my God, for all of the, can we take breaks? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Dude, this is interval training. He's like, I saw you looking. You're like, I saw you looking at that cow for four minutes, and that seemed like no problem. So what the fuck? So that automatic. So we get really loud on that, but but so much is unspoken between us. Mm. So much is unspoken between. If you have ever had a kid or got married with somebody or walked somebody through an illness or a trauma, so much is unspoken. If you were to, if I were to ask you, Brian, to look into the eyes of one of your parents, right? If you watched them get divorced, if they had to look at you, they knew that they fucking broke your heart potentially. And so to, to even look at their son and just hold your gaze for four minutes, th there's no way even the stone coldest human being will cry. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. We yeah, do that. At, we do that at, at, at all of our, at all of our teacher trainings. We do, we, we, Oh my God. A, sounds like a treat. We have a, we, we do it for sometimes, sometimes 10 or 15 and it's, I know. And it's, and it's I mean, Awful. it's, it is, it is without fail the most transformative mm -hmm. 10 or 15 minutes of the entire month and people you know people in like in the most beautiful way break and um and i you know i've done it with i've done it with my partner i've did it i did it with my mom it's um, kind of a it's kind it's of a wild. psychedelic experience it very to much be, is to be honest yeah. with you like there is there's there's a there's a psychedelic quality to it where you're kind of you enter this space of like it's kind of, it's like a trip. It's like mm -hmm. you 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 see you see someone's face literally. Well, the way shift, that shift like completely change, you know, and, you and not see, that their face is changing. It's just you're seeing them in a way that you've never seen them. This yeah. is what I love. Even in therapy, you can watch people's eyes soften. Mm, you can watch. Yeah. I mean, not just body <clears throat> posture, but almost like I, I, I sometimes my breath gets taken away when I watch people go back into their childhood. And mm. I say, tell me where you're at right now. I'm, I'm seven. I'm at the farm. I can see it soften. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah and it's like you, they get younger in their face. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you start to like logical response. You start to you start to kind of breathe in time with the person across from you and there's a there's sort of like a wave like quality to it and 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 kind of kind of going back to to what we were talking about and like philosophically at the at the start of the conversation you all the things, you know, we, we make judgments of people all the time, whether it's, you know, the, the distance between their eyes, the size of their nose, the color of their hair, the shape of their face, the size of their feet, what, like anything. We make little judgments all the time. And we, we think a person is the cumulative sort of like decisions that they've made or things that they've done sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, or things that we've ascribed to them based on all these like external factors. And then when you, when you look at somebody for a period of time, you realize that they are you and you are them. 
and the all the layers that we have come to know as who we are are really are really just just caked on mm-hmm. and they're obscuring the the reality of the of, of of us and and there is like there's a oneness between between people when they do that and it's it's almost indescribable it's mm-hmm. you did such a good job at describing it there though Tay, because like i i feel like like when before you started speaking there and and i was thinking of like i've done the eye gazing thing a couple times and and the thing that i find is is like the i i just see the such the only word i can use to describe it is like this complexity and and it's not complexity it's because when you scrape back those layers it's the vastness of possibility and infinite expanse of of who people truly are beyond all of those things that you like you said ascribe to them to make them who they are in your mind because there's mm-hmm. so much more than that and we are all so much more than the things we say and things we do which is the beautiful thing that makes us all one who and, and that is what we are taking into 2021 <laughs> 2021 You're energy. Welcome. 2021 <laughs> energy. Uh, uh, Jody, this, the, I mean, it's always just beyond, beyond a pleasure to sit down and to uh, get that contact high from you. <laughs> uh, you, you are, you're just such a, such a ray of shining light. And uh, you always seem to provide this like perfect dose of food for thought. So thank you. This is exactly what I was, I was hoping for to launch us into uh, this new and exciting year. And uh, I can't wait to have you on the show again. I'm oh, looking forward Jared, to having you on that. again. I would yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, dude. Hey, thank you. So thank you. Jody, I Woo. wanted to say that you're neither good nor bad. You just are. Oh, so. thanks. Thanks. The highest compliment. <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's what we learned. To, that's what we learned today. We learned that there's no good, no bad. Brian is attached to that idea. Dogs are children. Children are dogs. And uh, it's great that we took so much away from this. And, and Jody's husband can't cook. And uh, that's that's that. So at least he's uh, not vegan. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate punishment. Uh, I'm an Alberta farmer. I, I, I love her, but I would, would have to go up for supper. Jody, you're the fucking best. Ah, uh, so good. To hang out with you guys you're doing amazing holy work and i'm just so happy to be a small part of it so i can't wait to be back again and uh look after each other thank you jody thank you jody and there we go she's the best dr jc love jody yep she is she truly is a treat uh, and we hope you enjoyed that. And, you know, we'll get her back in the show. I'm sure she's, it's just too, she's too good. She's too good not to have, it's just, it's just like, she's, she was like made for the show. You know, she's just, she's just mm-hmm. so fun to shoot the shit with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to wrap, but before we do, uh, there was a very sweet, a very sweet review that came in through iTunes. And Hey folks, if you, you know, if you enjoy the podcast at all, uh, and you are an Apple podcast user, uh, leave us a little review. We love reading these. They, they really, they make our day. Some of them are really funny. Some of them are really hateful. It's great. It's, just, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. hilarious. Uh, you can actually but, but just go really, on your some, phone right now. Like, yeah, some are really sweet. Where you're listening to us. If you've listened this far and you leave a hateful one, 
I feel so bad for you. Um, I know. But, uh, <laughs> but if you were listening this Get far, a job. yeah, if you're listening this far, you like it. Uh, here's, here's a really sweet one that came in from Jenny from Ireland. Oh, you're going to say from the block. I also live with a life limiting lung condition. However, it's very rare. So I find it hard to relate to people. But listening to these three and their amazing guests make me feel so much more a part of a community than alone. Thank you, boys. And that was Jenny from Ireland. So thank you, Jenny. Uh, We hope you you have... Uh, a wonderful day that's just full of lucky charms, and that you I love the Irish. That was heart and blanket <laughs> statement. Just love them, <laughs> all of them. Uh, so, thank you, Jenny from Ireland. If you are from Ireland or any other place in the world, and you listen to our podcast, uh, you can uh, listen to it wherever you like, wherever you find podcasts: Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, the CBC Listen app. You know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. And we're and, back. And leave every- a review about his about his about. Jeremy's Jeremy's Irish accent yeah. on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, uh, we, uh, thanks for listening. We love you for that. And uh, hey, Tay, why don't you tell them uh, about uh, how people can reach out to us if they want to hit us? Directly. I can do that. I, I can do that. If you have very cool stories, such as uh, uh, our new Irish friends story that we just heard, you can send that to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be one of our amazing guests on the show, then you can do that by going to sickboypodcast.com slash contact, fill out the form. We read it. We might have you on the show. Be one of our wonderful guests. Um, yeah, do that. Do the ASAP. And a huge thank you to the people who make this show happen, which is our co-producer, Lauren Sankey, the three of us, obviously, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and myself. And uh, thank you to our manager, Jeff Lonis, who uh, makes... The boat float. Uh, thank you, Jeff. We love you. Mm, and boats afloat. these Feel Good Friday episodes mm-hmm. are edited by the one and only Jeremy Saunders. And the theme music is done by the fantastic Rich O'Coin. Thanks for the music, Rich. That is it for this week. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. Yeah. <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.